Hello and welcome to another episode of the Media Meets podcast where we speak to anybody who can tolerate my company. On the show this time we have AKDK who are a fantastic duo uh, based in the southeast of England, Graham and Ed. Uh, they both play live drums, they both play live synths. Um, they've released three fantastic albums. Their most recent one, Shared Particles, was released last year. I urge you to check it out. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, a lot of what they do is improv live, so they mix their live shows with improv and some of their classic tracks. Uh, you can support the podcast if you like. Uh, it really helps uh, to just, uh, don't know, helps my motivation for one thing. Um, yeah, any comments and shares and reposts are really gratefully appreciated. There's a lot of work that goes into this behind the scenes and um, I appreciate any support. Okay, let's get on with the show though. The first thing I asked the chaps was about their musical beginnings. Well, I'm a child of the 80s, so I had one of those, I guess everyone had them, the little tape cassette recorder, black thing with a handle on it, you know, and like batteries, so that was... Mm. my Fisher-Price one. Yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and I've, my parents made me a cassette with a bunch of stuff. It even had Captain Beefheart on it, but uh, my favourite song on that was Bowie's Space Oddity, and I heard that, and that was, I think, the first song that I was like, wow, the middle bit. Where it sort of goes, yeah, uh, yeah that blew my mind. That was like, that got me into music. That's yeah. definitely a... yeah. I mean, I used to sit and listen to my parents' um, vinyls, you know. So I listened to Beatles and stuff for things that had good covers. <laughs> and I also remember I would then we, my dad got a CD player, and that was like radical, you know. And you could get. Brothers in Arms. So I used to, <laughs> I was to listen to Brothers in Arms and the best of Eric Clapton. <laughs> but I mean, I was a kind of bluesy, rocky kid anyway, into Zeppelin and stuff. But I remember actually listening to classical music and that blowing my mind, I think when I was five or six. And we'd even like get my parents to turn the lights off and put the vinyl on. And sort of scare. I remember it was like a night on Bear Mountain or whatever Mazorski. Or, yeah. And uh, just used to scare myself. And I, yeah. I look back at that, I realise, oh, I was into music. Didn't know what the hell it was doing or what instrument was, you know, but it buzzed me. Yeah, that's funny. The my parents also had very limited cassette collection in the car, but one of them was. Uh, uh, Tomita's mm-hmm. version of Mussorgsky's pictures oh, at an exhibition. So that's like that big Moog version of the Mussorgsky th- piece. And it's, I still listen to it now with the kids, like, because mm-hmm. it's got so many funny little squelchy noises and it's very visual music. And Yeah, I think a lot of what you're describing there does evoke a lot of sort of visuals alongside it. Um, yeah, and Tom- Tomita's really cool because it's like a crossover, isn't it? Of, of classical and synth synth stuff put yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. Was he? I mean, obviously, he's contemporary of Wendy Carlos. But I, I wondered if was she b- slightly before him. There was a period in the seventies, wasn't there, where uh, there was quite a lot of like switched kind of on similar time switched on Moog mm. kind of 
yeah. albums and stuff, and their classical synth versions of classical music. Mm. Yes, because he does versions of some Debussy and stuff. Debussy yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I really like that. The yeah, kind of because I, I love that sort of um, impressionistic music. Anyway, you know, even if it's done on acoustic instruments, and then it's just the, <laughs> a, a ideal match made in heaven, isn't it? Plenky synths. Yeah, uh, sure. exploratory classical music. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, Snowflakes, the mm-hmm. dancing. That yes. that's one of Debussy's got. I think he uses a bowed, uh, like frequency shifter thing, and uh, there's one bit in it. It's like this whooshing kind of. It's almost a flanger sound, but it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I've nice. always, always wanted to build one. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Well, like we were saying earlier, I'm sh- there's probably a schematic somewhere where someone... There is, I've got a schematic. <laughs> oh, you have it? It's oh, terrifying. Okay. <laughs> there's no way. I was like... Mm. This might take five years. Maybe yeah. someone's done a PCB yeah. of it. I'll have to... That's a little bit like, the, is it the Deckard's Dream? The mm. new, sure. Um, the, new, uh, mm. the new replication of the CSAT. Uh, mm-hmm. My friend's got a circuit board of it, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it's, it is like, say goodbye to six months of your life. Yeah, and any social life <laughs> yeah. and partners. <laughs> yeah. Say goodbye to all your family. It's like going on a voyage to yeah. like, you know, yes. a far-off land, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I've never really got into builds, but, I mean, um, Ed does, and it, it's, uh, it, every time I look at some of your synths, I'm like, need to learn how to build. You know, I need to, you know, I can't buy that new, I can't buy it second hand, you know. Exactly, so. it's really fun, it's a really mm. gratifying process. Um, there's a really good thing called a solder comic, which someone's made, right. and it's like a comic book of how to do soldering, uh-huh. but it's really great advice, um, and it's very clear and very simple. But uh, yeah, once you get that, once you get those simple things down, it's really fun and, and quite relaxing, quite sure. relaxing experience. Yeah, it's very, it is very zen, isn't it? You like, uh, I can see, I've never done, um, what is it where you sit really quietly and think? Meditate. 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 <laughs> 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 never done that, but Sleep. I, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine uh, soldering is very, meditating is very like soldering. You really like uh-huh. Yes, meditative states. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And when did you start like getting into making making your own music or developing into hitting things and stuff like that? Uh, for me, it was that little tape cassette recorder because it had a mic in it, so I just like had would bash things and play guitar and make. I I tried to make a little radio station behind the sofa with a microphone <laughs> and like had the record player and me and my sister would do oh, radio brilliant. shows and stuff. <laughs> Uh, nice. He, my dad's Sony big flat square seventies thing mm-hmm. had two faders on it, one for the left and right. Um, you couldn't record on them individually, separately, but you could send different things onto them. So you could have the music on one channel, oh, and voices on the other, and do our little radio show. That's so yes, yeah, so you were deep in from an early age. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, it wasn't very good. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, drumming. I started drumming when I was 14, and uh, I'd been playing piano before that, but I went round a mate's house and he showed me a backbeat that blew my mind. And my mates had electric guitars, and my brother had ele- played electric guitar too, so we would just jam. And that, that, like I said, at that point I was really into kind of uh, old classic rock and blues, so we'd just wig out in E for an hour and cover many like Santana and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix songs and stuff. 
And I think I carried on as a drummer as a drummer for the next 10, 16 years or so. Was interested in other instruments and stuff, but uh, and it wasn't till I found an old Cassiotone keyboard. I was teaching in schools, and in the corner of the music room was this dusty old Cassiotone lent up, you know, and they had all their standard Yamaha, you know, cheap synths, but I said to the teacher, like, can I... What's happening with that? Nobody uses that, clearly. It's never been used since the 80s. He said, oh, you can take it, give us a tenor. You're like, oh, yes. Nice. <laughs> yes, I will, thank you. <laughs> and it wasn't, like, and maybe a couple of weeks later, we met. And uh, we were both saying, oh, yeah, we drum. And I'm like, yeah, I've just got this keyboard and I've got a distortion pedal running through it and it sounds amazing. And we started our band not long after I picked up that first keyboard for myself. Yeah. It's a funny thing about Incredible. schools and interesting instruments, yeah. isn't it? I remember yeah, my my music room at school had uh, they had all the normal like Casio keyboards mm. with all the presets, but in the corner they had two SH101s. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. A <laughs> red school. one and a blue one at school, yeah. <laughs> really? No one ever used them. And they, they had all these cardboard patch oh, overlays. So at lunchtime I just used to sit there with headphones and it was like walking in snow or the beach yeah. or something these patches yeah. lay it on line up all the little faders oh, brilliant and make the sound and i was the only person ever to use them when i left school i did the same i said oh can i buy them off you and they were like yeah you could like have them both for a hundred quid i was a 16 year old 100 quid in, in the oh, 90s yeah, well, well. i can't know can't really afford that, unfortunately. It's now, like ten nights out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now you'd have decupled your money. I don't yeah, know what the no, word is. You know, yeah, at least ten times. Absolutely, yeah. blue and a red one. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Seriously. Yeah, I think that's funny about uh, uh, like educational institutions. Yeah, mm. they always like do have the odd rarity bundled away. Also churches as well. I sure. I got a Transcendent 2000, like oh, a yeah. DIY 1970s synth, in immaculate condition mm-hmm. from a church one time. And yeah. they were like, oh, this old thing, oh, it doesn't even work. They were like, oh, it sounds terrible. Yeah. And it was a bit, there was a couple of things wrong with it. But they, yeah, they sold it me for about 120 quid yes. or something a few years yeah. ago. And it was like... Just something about those the institutions where yeah. things get kept and put away mm-hmm. is like yeah. sometimes they can be an absolute goldmine. Yeah. There's like a longevity to those things, you know, which doesn't exist so much more in the rest of life. And that reminds me of like early eBay. You know, these days everything <laughs> is so tied up. Everyone knows it's hard to find little gems. I think or harder now. Mm. Certainly, I remember in past twenty years, especially when eBay first came up. People were selling stuff that they had no idea what it was. You know, oh, got it out of the loft. Oh, what's this? It says Monopoly or something. Yeah. I can't make it work. Doesn't look like Monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a board game. Yeah. Where's Fleet Street? I'll sell it for 50 quid. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely that. Yeah. Um, I think um, there, there are some really good tactics. There's one good tactic someone showed me a few years ago, and I was like, I can't believe I hadn't thought of that, is um, searching for newly listed buy-it-nows. Mm-hmm. because people have just put it on the, the site and, you know, it, fair enough, they've got their sale price of what they want for it, but some people will 
undervalued a little bit. So that was one eBay tip that I got in no only man. the last few years. So it was just lo looking for recently listed buy it now because like they're ready to go and the, and the sale they can want happen. the sale yeah. but yeah you're right I'm, I'm sure there was some 99 times I won stuff for like 99p and it yeah. was like a TX81 <laughs> or something like you know just stupid stuff yes. that like you could get yeah. away with <laughs> yeah my uh, university where I went up north had a, a cupboard with a VCS3 in it and they would never use that wow. and they used to borrow it the weekend take it home in a bin bag on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the, on the bus, <laughs> yeah, like, like, can I take the, the, the weird synth thing and again I sort of recognised it from I recently posted it at n 2 xs on the wires of our nerves album had a, a, a sort of a synthy in the background so I sort of recognised like, oh, this looks like it might make some cool noises and it's had a little pegboard and yeah. they didn't have a keyboard though so it was only for most people it's like why, why would I bother what yeah. is even yeah, what is that only only drones and spacey noises oh but, that's cool I mean yeah, they're really see. filthy drones out of, yeah. out of that machine aren't they it's like yeah. tough yeah. really big mm. big sounding thing thick and chunky mm. I'm sure Tom Rollins has used one of them in a few uh, Chemical Brothers tracks yes um, yeah it has a growl to it doesn't it that is quite vocal a bit like a boucler has that sort of Vowel. human sort of sound doesn't mm. it mm. yeah <laughs> yeah like um, makes me think of uh, Mooga Fugas or I'm thinking of this pedal like not the biphase they also make the mutron oh yeah the oh the yeah that's a vowel simulating filter sweep you mm. know like meow 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 so that's all the like P funk. Yes, totally. Funkadelic bass <laughs> sound, isn't it? Yeah, you also get that with um, sometimes bit crushing as well. You can get you can get to like a vocal sort of yeah vocal point yeah. with bit crushing as well. You guys uh, have been quite vocal about liking distortion, haven't you? Yeah. Like adding distortion yeah. to stuff. Yeah, love it. <laughs> yes, it's hard to get over it. I, you know, um, I think we both do other types of music as well some, with other people sometimes. Maybe that's more of an avenue out. But with AKDK and just generally, and just generally, actually, I love distortion. And I can be working on a synth and finding a nice sound. And then you're like, okay, what happens when we dial in some drive? Yeah. And you're like, it's better. <laughs> so, <laughs> Quite simply, I, I, it's yeah, better. <laughs> you know, and it's not. It, I love also super simple, super organic music. I love that too. But uh, yeah, for my own personal tastes, and for the past ten years, just been obsessed with distortion. And we never had a in our. We've had a variety of different sort of studios and rehearsal rooms that we've rented, and we never had proper PA's. So it would always be running our synths through guitar amps or bass mm. amps. So that really became the sound of it. Mm. And when we would go in a studio and DI it, or we'd capture a live gig, um, but DI'd, like, you'd listen back to it, you'd feel really good about the gig, listen back to it excited, and it's really thin and flat. dead. Yeah, yeah. flat. And realised how much the amp was, it was like almost 50% of the tone, wasn't it? Yes, I mean, we, the, dream, the dream stage setup is to have a couple of amp eggs behind, and yeah. I'll have a... Marshall stack and uh, the dream. Yeah. You know, we've already got enough equipment to <laughs> cart around, so it's like, 
adding in another stack is yeah. not helpful at this point. It sounds, we, it's always on our tech rider, if possible, an Ampeg stack. And I just put my 101 through it, and it's like the best place ever. Bashes. <laughs> <laughs> Full that body. Works. Oh, yeah. totally full, full body. body. Exactly, and the sound engineer's like, Can you turn it down a bit. Mm. We've got monitors. It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's more fun. Yeah, these days we don't, uh, you know, we have much more, a uh, very simple in ear monitoring system, which we do on stage, you know. Um, so it makes it very easy for the sound engineers now, and we can always hear ourselves. Before we used to have to, the monitors are like full volume, mm. ear achingly loud, and a nightmare for the front of house because it's getting in everything. But we needed that to compete with the two drum kits. Right, and, yeah, and, I can imagine. And because we didn't, we don't play to click or anything, but obviously all the sequences are in time. So we need to hear the sequence, we need to hear the bass. There's no click in our ear. Um, so that's why we ended up with the, yeah, yeah, kind of. Hearing damaging volumes of, <laughs> <laughs> of monitors. We're like, oh, we could get these in ear things. And then, of course, you're missing the bass. You yeah. know, again, back to that like bodily experience. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, my friend has one of those uh, shaking drum stools. I might, might ask to borrow it. You know, you can feed a channel into feed an input into it. Really? And it's got a speaker kind of. Yeah, transducer in, thing. Yeah, um, especially for sub. So it just kind of, or yeah, it shakes <laughs> when you feed a monitor line back into it yeah. of bass. I'm, I'm quite intrigued by it because it is so weird when you know it's loud, you know the bass line is, is slapping and you all, you all you can hear in your ears is No, look at the people, this must be really loud. And I feel really weird when I can't feel the bass like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think a lot of people, uh, the drummers that I know, I mean, I've got very limited knowledge of drumming, I'm just going to say that straight away. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, my friend who's a drummer, he, uh, like, when we were in band together, he'd always say, like, his, his key indicator, really, of what's going on is the bass line, mm. that's how he was able yeah. to, like, keep in check with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, so I can appreciate that being an important, important element to get right. There is the sub-pack, isn't there, like, the sort of... So oh, you can put it like on vest mm-hmm. for gamers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of, but they do do a lot of, uh, a lot of producers use them. Sure. Um, and sometimes people compensate for like hearing loss with the sub pack because mm-hmm. because they'd be over bass, putting way too much bass mm-hmm. in their tracks because they've got like a deficit. Mm. Um, yeah, DJ Rap said she uses one. Right. And then I've spoken to other people who've said. We've probably taken it out because they said, oh, well, I was given one, but I never yeah. use it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I suppose for DJing and things as well. Like For sort of low-level mixing, isn't yeah. it? So you can get an effect, mm. try and understand what the sub's doing, especially if you can't crank the volume up. Yeah. You know? Nice. So where did you... So you said about getting your the organ. The, yeah, the my Cassia tone. Is, yeah. that, is that the wooden one? That's yes, in the exactly. What is that model? I've seen that so many... Well, so many yeah. bands play with that and gone, that sounds amazing. That is what? the indie love love heart, that one. Yeah. It's the 405. <laughs> and so that's when they're still in the kind of dodgy wooden boxes, which weigh a ton, and the power transformer weighs a ton. So this keyboard's not very practical. But the organ sound in it is totally inimitable like you try and get other things keyboards that sound like it and it it's something lacking i mean yeah you could sample the blah 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 no we've tried other things and actually when you know 
it's nothing compares to that going mm. through the rat. And for a while I bought quite a few Cassia tones and I quelled my addiction. Because, <laughs> you know, this is not going well. And there's a hundred Cassia tones. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I'll be going for a long time. But again, just picking them up cheap off friends and stuff. Yeah. Bit busted. I'll take that. It's so good, isn't it? It mm. sounds really the organ like talking about growling that yeah. organ growls then the, and the a, a little analog drum machine is very special and it sounds lovely yeah. it's like sort of c78 or mini pops mm-hmm. or something the sounds they're so lovely you can't program it yes yeah, can't program yeah. it and there's no midi yeah so but it, the sound it's free. nice to it's keep free yeah, it's free it's like <sighs> everything else in our setup is sort of midied up um but not the not the drums yeah. on that or the keyboard. Whenever we sample the loop, because my chaos pad creates the master clock for our system. Oh, so wow. you start the beat and I have to listen. Yeah. Like, do, tap, do. tap, 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 get it in time and see uh-huh. if it locks in. And if it loops, then we're good. If it doesn't, I have to keep tapping until... And suddenly this intro has now become five minutes long for yeah. this song on stage. You know, you're like, oh, God. Yeah. But we make it difficult for ourselves, deliberately, in a way. Yeah, you know it mean? would be easy just to run samples. <clears throat> yeah. It's not as fun. No, we've, we've, we've tried it once, running a kind of Ableton session live on stage uh, for, for AKDK performances. We've used Ableton for other things, live performances, but for AKDK, yeah, it just... Uh, I mean, it would probably be fine, but at the time it didn't feel right, and so we've never really looked back. And now, and then exploring more and more syncable hardware stuff. You know, so on stage, we don't have any samples loaded up and everything's played in live, which is so cool. It's so fun. But Always need a drone at the beginning because I have to program the sequence on the 101 like, yeah. to get the baseline <laughs> It makes everything clunky, which I think is obviously part of our charm. Yeah. You know, people don't want to see us probably too slick. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Do you know what I mean? But you start the sequence and it's accidentally mistriggered and put two notes of one. Yes. So the, the the loop is suddenly seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I've already right. started the drum beat and we've already into the song <laughs> yeah. and the crowd are liking it, so we're just going to carry on. Yeah, and people think, wow, they're they're doing all these crazy polyrhythms. <laughs> <laughs> four four yeah. over nine thirteen. Maybe. Or something. <laughs> If you say so, <laughs> we was just trying to no, muddle through. Yeah, I like that. I think that's brilliant. I think the way that you sort of perform performing on that knife edge is quite an exciting, mm-hmm. exciting place to be, isn't it? It is. Yeah, and, and those it it leaves it open for um, the the errors or the the things that you get wrong. Sometimes make a whole new song, and we'll mm-hmm. like look at each other, and it's like let's just go with this. Whatever's happened, it mm. sounds quite good. Like maybe a delay tail that's. Keeping going. Forms a loop, right? Okay, let's change that. Yes. Yeah, or like one of us will be playing and the other one will come in on a uh-huh. different beat and you're like, whoa, that wasn't the riff that I played. That The, the one is in a completely different place. But then yes, that still sort of gets me every gig, <laughs> <laughs> every time. I just have to kind of look over, see if I can see Ed's foot tapping away, like, where's the one? And you know what it's like when you think a riff is situated in a different eighth note oh trying to get your brain to understand the other one that's so hard it's so hard yeah 
It really is, yeah. And it's really, and then as soon yeah. as your brain switches over, it's hard to remember what you were listening to before. Yeah. And this is live on stage. That's the thing. You're like, oh, I don't know what his riff sounds like. <laughs> I can hear all the eighth notes, but where's the one? And for people who don't know our music, it's we don't when when we play live, we mainly improvise. So it's not like uh, we're trying to recreate a song from the studio. Mm. Although we do play our songs sometimes, but. Yeah. Um, a lot of his improvisation that's why we're sort of we're trying to work out where the one is sure. on, on the flight it's like what are you doing there was... but sometimes the song kind of collapses especially more back in the day in the early days we were a bit more of like an art house band almost like it was an experiment in how little structure you could have at a gig and, that's great yeah which was really fun but and, and really raucous and raw and we didn't loop even very much. No. That was kind of almost mono keyboard and bass and drums. No, I just had a little delay pedal that I yeah. looping and I think you did too. So that was quite hardcore. Not synced. Yes, that was quite mad. Yeah. But, um, you know... Just, yeah, the first idea of the band was to almost be an inside-out band, like an anti-band. So we thought, let's have gigs but not have any songs and not release any music. And That's and cool. Rather than an audience seeing the end result which mm. is often slick and polished but that's you get you get used to it and sometimes it can seem a little bit cold and rehearsed and mm. for us having been in loads of bands like you saying mm. blues jams and indie we bands and always realised that the most exciting part of a band's music is often in the studio when you're just making up stuff you know like in, the, in a rehearsal room mm. so let's try and take that out to an audience instead of a rehearsed set and then it becomes almost like a soap opera they, the audience are with you and they're like oh it's going good oh what's happened oh it's falling apart oh no yes. they've, they've bailed out and they're starting something and it suddenly it, yeah they're on a journey with this so yeah. I think that's really key and I think the fact that sometimes a mistake will happen and we can laugh at ourselves on stage and I think you know that's really important it is, and yeah, good yeah, and it yeah. invites the audience in and it is, like we were saying just before we started like it's not and we don't want to be us being marvelled at on stage playing at the audience what we want always is for an hour of collective uh, madness and energy and you know vigour <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. and if we need to do something stupid and embarrass ourselves on stage I will probably do that every set anyway. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, but it's 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 not deliberate, but it's part of it's definitely part of AKDK inviting people in. You know, literally, often people from the audience sure. come up on stage, do yeah. something, read poetry. <laughs> oh, I remember shout was, something. Yeah, a crazy gig at Secret Garden Party, which was bad, and we like lost all control of the set. Basically, yeah. it was really late at night in a tiny little tent, and. Yeah. Uh, people started getting up and other people saw people getting up and so suddenly everyone's on stage. The stage was full. The people songs, had mics yeah, shouting. You're looking over the stage and they're just shaking their heads, shrugging. It's like two <laughs> yes. in the morning. They're just like, I don't care anymore. Like, Neither do we, actually. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because like, it was funny and you see people the next day at the festival and like, oh my God, I saw that weird, really weird thing you did. And I'm like, good. Because there wasn't loads of people and it's just a little moment. It's yeah. a little happening, a little moment. And I love them. Mm. 
Is that a difficult thing to to compute over to like a CD to an album to yes. bring that energy in? It's really hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, it's the thing that we struggled with for a long time, and we're getting there, I think, mm-hmm. now. But still, when we listen to a record, it's like it's obviously it's as good as we can do. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't release it. But yeah. it, I think both of us are like it's not quite getting there. Just it's not capturing that moment that you're talking no, it's about. it's very tough. Yeah. The, I think the you've done way a great we, job. I mean, well, oh, thank good. you. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. With, with all three albums, it's um, they're all live. So each album is just us capturing live jams straight into Yeah, I mean, to... the first one is absolutely live. Yeah. Zero editing. Yeah. Amazing. And you really? go back. I go back and listen to it. I'm like, yes, boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's so raw. That is so experimental. Leave, leave um, the mistakes in. Yeah. I'm glad we did that. Yeah. And then the later ones, they're still live takes, but then we'll go back in and overdub a bit more, try and make a bit more of a a recording of it, rather than... I think we've realised, for some reason, we can't document live well. So, okay, we need to make more... That's, That's not the goal, then, of the album, is maybe at least with the last two, is to make, okay, can we make an, a compromise and it's a bit more of a song, so we will do a little bit more overdubs or something. Yeah. I still would love to record something one day where it feels like that, but I don't think we ever will because it's so much to do with the energy and the crowd and the visuals of our stage setup. And like you say, you, you listen back to recordings of gigs, you know, taken off the desk, and you knew, you know the gig went off few hundred people loving it and we were loving it and you listen back you're like oh doesn't sound very good yeah you know and okay well maybe we're not very good but we <laughs> but it works and people get excited so because the music like is only 50 percent of sure, the thing especially live at a gig yeah um so i, I kind of I, almost accepted just to write off that goal that will yeah capture something that truly one day it'll be one day when we're not thinking about it at all and the front of house engineer will be like oh there you go good gig sends us the file yeah you know? and it'll be that and it'll be, be glorious yeah. <laughs> we've, we've actually never done it but we keep saying right next time we do an album we'll set up in somewhere like Brighton Electric and we'll get a load of beers invite a bunch of close friends and people from you know that mm. know us ram it and we'll play a gig but we'll make sure it's all multi-tracked and that will, you know, try and control the recording part of it mm. as much as we can, but make it a live gig and and see if that makes a difference. Like having, an, as you say, having an, an audience really makes you play differently, doesn't it? Because when you're in the studio, you're always in the back of your mind, you're like, eh, could do it this again. Is, I'm just going to do that bit again, I no, think. Yeah. No, it's the urgency and uh, of live performances. Yeah, there's no... It's real required no to, to do it. Yeah, this is real now. That's so important, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, I've noticed through jamming with bands that, like, in terms of riffs on synths, it, it, it changes the way I would write a, a part to to a drum beat or whatever. Mm. Compared to sitting down on my computer with a MIDI keyboard and thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's something that just. That, when when something is needed, it will go in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In when when you're live, do you do you find that like you've just spat out a great riff that you've never even thought? Oh about, yes, all about. the time. That's <laughs> the best bit. Yeah. And like we say, with the chaos pad, actually, you could 
you can record it in live, the loop, and then you can actually mute subdivisions of the loop, <laughs> you know, without being too boring. But uh, <laughs> what you, obviously what you end up with that is really unexpected snippets of sound. Yeah, chopped up. Chopped up, you know, and Battles did that really well with, on Atlas and stuff, didn't they? Yeah. And live, that's their whole show, in fact. Like, you don't know what's going on. They play, you see them play the guitar and then tweak some delay pedals and out comes... And we do the same, and I love that. And that's How way harder music, I think. I mean, uh, harder, I mean, like, aggressive and impressive, you know. Because instead of, like, oh, another... Kraut rock riff, which yeah. we could be, you know, guilty of sometimes. Yeah. Because we both love that no, German, yeah, you know, Cosmetia music and that motoric beat. It's a big part of who we are yeah. uh, as a band. Yeah. Know. But yeah, when the technology sort of starts taking mm. over and it uh, creates a new riff, like you play something in and then it gets mangled and it's like, well, that's mm-hmm. something like brand new. Yes. Yeah. And that's so exciting. That's when you know the gig's going to kick off at that point. Yeah. Because you come in on the drums and it sounds even better. <laughs> and then you double the lo- lower sub on the bass and you're like, oh, yes. <laughs> and you can see the audience are with you. They're like, yes, go. You know, you can feel them willing you on. Yeah. And you're doing the same to them. And it's, uh, I mean, obviously over this past pandemic year, I realised that I am completely addicted to that feeling. And it's a problem for me not to have it. I realised that. I knew I was connected to performance. I knew that's... But, you know, this is the first year that I've never done a gig in, like, 25 years. Yep, 2019 was our last show. Yeah. In Spain. Yeah, it feels wow. so weird. November 2019. We haven't played since. Mm. It's crazy. And it's all about that, that hit of that energy yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, and it's so important. Anyway, generally, in life, I think live performance, I realise now, you know, and for me personally, it's a, it's a, it's a big linchpin of my character. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. Without it, I'm a little bit, woo, <laughs> like, what, what do I do in life again? <laughs> Who am I? Who am I? Who have I been for decades before? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I think um, that, that, that feedback loop that occurs mm. there is a very powerful one, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah you can have amazingly sort of um, enchanting experiences yes. at gigs where, just, where moments just like take over you and, you know, yeah. just someone covers you in beer or something. Yeah, yeah. All of those, all of those amazing things. Totally. And transcendent sometimes. And you yeah. know that that's not so similar to people playing a drum and dancing at any point in our history. Or yeah, people ritual. singing in choirs in cathedrals, same thing. You know, there's a ritual about it, and there's a physical response to yeah. rhythm or harmony. Yeah, and that synchronization of people and emo- mm-hmm. like emotion and stuff that is clear to everyone in the room. I suppose that's again why sometimes watching a rehearsed set turns you into a, a little bit passive receiving mode as mm-hmm. well. Because it's almost like watching TV, where you're not feeling so part of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a bit more like you're a bit more like a a passenger. Yeah, in someone else's an observer. Thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I've definitely felt that at gigs before, and and 
That's why I always I always like think back to like the again like big pop singers who have like really set uh, set lists sure. and they do the same thing like every night. They mm. must be like you can see why those really high end singers that do have like issues because they just got to churn out the same yeah box every time every time whereas i think what you guys do is really exciting and really a fun way to play live yeah. okay mm-hmm. thanks um, <laughs> yeah right. like never it's like a never-ending journey of like what's the what's the gen sx 1000 going to do, do today <laughs> yeah. yeah oh it's gonna come up with a cheeky little squelchy high-end line that's what the gen x that's what the gen will do every time yeah yeah um, Yes, but it's uh, it's that's like we say, you know, we've been drummers both before we, we we met each other. At the moment we met each other, we formed the band, like the same night, and uh, before that we'd both been drummers in other bands, and you know, there's a lot of responsibility on drummers to to nail things down. To, you're the one that's keeping it together. You and the bassist, really. But anyway, mm-hmm. playing in indie bands or rock bands where the structure has to be the same every time. And the set is basically the same every gig. And I know I felt frustrated because you're watching the crowd and you're like, if we could just play this a bit heavier or a bit looser or we could get the crowd on board. Whereas when you keep on playing the same thing, it's like you've got no space to manoeuvre. And so we said to each other, right, let's not do that. Let's make it up and let's in fact not have any other instruments. And we'll just be an anti-band for a while, and and it was like the most successful of all the bands that I've been in. So you know, it's like the, there's a lesson to learn is to not yeah. try or I don't know. Yeah, you know, don't think. Don't about try it too, too hard. Yeah, don't think too much. Too much. That's cool. So how do you coordinate what you do in terms of both drumming? Like, how do you coordinate that? Or sort of. Well, we're next to each other on yeah. stage, so we have our keyboards set up in a like a middle pod thing. Both. And so we're uh, looking at each other. Yeah, so we're sat next to each other. So eye contact, really, is that we've got um, kind of signals. Can Strange tell eyebrow like, raising, yeah. and head shaking, <laughs> yeah. and sometimes just the old uh, finger across the neck. Yeah. Stop, stop, stop everything. Yeah. Um, and then it's kind of needs must, as in you can see, you know, I'll, I'll watch Ed and I'll see, oh, he needs to do more looping. He's going to do more looping on his mm. keyboard. I'll carry on drumming. Yep. So it's it's often like, who's got spare hands at that point or spare thoughts, you know? Because sometimes you, you do need to sit and think for 30, 20, 10 seconds, however long, however short you can make it. Because you're looking at your keyboard like, I don't know what to do, I don't know, or, you know, there's something I want to do and I don't know how. Um, yeah. So again, you're just watching, like, I'll keep on drumming, they're, they're working something out. <laughs> like uh, you can see the brain ticking over or I've accidentally started recording a really long loop so I'm like trying to yeah, play it and then it goes going, wrong yeah, at the end so okay. I have to re-loop it again yeah and then sometimes <laughs> we we both will think okay the other person's going to carry on drumming I'll stop Dum. and you both stop <laughs> <laughs> and you realise oh it's a drop down now <laughs> okay yeah. it, it literally <laughs> is it's a drop down right turn the delay on yeah you know and then the, the, the drop down evolves into something else and often we end up coming into a new riff after a drop down because mm. suddenly a new arpeggio pops up or new, or you re, can also resample on the Chaos Pants which can do yeah. really fun things. So you're 
add a, another octave in, resample, add another octave in, and add all the keyboard sounds in. Then you can use it as a one shot sometimes, you know, you end up doing that. Yeah. Because Ed will just be building something. I'm like, oh, cool, we'll scrap all the old loops now, which is no going back. Yeah, that's scary. We can't go back to the to that song that we started on now. Yeah, yeah. You know. it's gone. <laughs> I I like that. I really like that approach. That sort of um, no preset thing, mm. uh, like something like the Jan mix, for example. Uh, we mentioned before the Gen SX one thousand. Like it's got no presets, has it? So you can get a great sound out of it, and then do your best to approximate it back. But um, yeah, I think those a lot of people do talk in in production in, in music making circles about like rendering out. Well, I guess it's, it's, this is not in like a context of your music, but in production, just mm. like if you've got a delay pedal and a synth, just record the two and then have that in the track and mm. be done with it and not think, oh, maybe I could change Go the, back and tweak the it. tone yeah. of the delay. And then maybe like, so never like, I think it's quite nice to commit. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess that's what I'm that's saying. That's the word. Yeah. Commit, get those loop, get the loops down. That's done. Now we move on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's a really refreshing way of making music. Do you, do you find you have like a comfort zone? Where is your comfort zone between like the improv and the, the set stuff? Well, with a, usually a set will, when we're writing out a set list, we'll think, okay, we're going to play these three or four songs of our back catalogue or whatever. Um, so they're rehearsed and we know how to play them. And then space between those, there'll be um, a, a placeholder that will have a BPM, a key, and it was a vibe. slow techno. Yeah, slow techno or uh, driving, driving yeah. cosmic space disco. <laughs> yeah, distorted disco often. Yeah, or, yeah. We'll go mental. <laughs> go <laughs> mental. At 180 BPM for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's those placeholders. So we sort of create spots where we're free to go off on one. Mm. But then we'll have anchor points if if we're not feeling it. Mm. We've got the comfort in knowing that we've got a rehearsed song that we can drop straight into, so we can just like catch each yes. other and say, "Right, let's go to the next one." And uh, so I suppose that's our comfort point. Is it's not com completely unknown. We'll have a we'll draw the structure of the set beforehand, even if the songs aren't written. We'll know the trajectory. Mm -hmm. we'll, and we'll the, know the, the, yeah, vibe. the dynamic journey that we're going to go on. Yeah. And like you say, it's, it's when you know that you're doing an improvisation and it's quite scary sometimes, other times it's easy, like the easiest thing you've ever done. If it's not going well, you're like, you've got the comfort of knowing, okay, well, next one we're going to play Battersea or we're going to play a big song. And uh, so, good, doesn't matter. And if you're bored playing the song, <laughs> you're like, don't worry, there's an improvisation coming soon. So I agree, I think it's we that that blend and that's again responding to the audience. You know, if they're not really digging what you're doing, you can change it up. Which mm. we never had with well, I never had with previous bands. No. Sometimes the mellow ones that we'll put in really work and capture and mm. people love them, but uh, sometimes they just fall flat if we're in yep. a club and everyone's just like Sometimes you start the mellow doing? one and it's just like you can hear the tumbleweed going by. Yeah, and people start going to the bar and yeah. Don't you want to hear my plinky plonky <laughs> nonsense that nobody else is? Yeah. Yeah, my niche, Tomito, Raymond Scott. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bloopy, bloopy. Which we love. Yeah. And actually, some sets will do no drums, and that's ne nearly always for some sort of more of an installation. 
because mm. we've done quite a few things with theatre and galleries. Oh, cool. And, um, <clears throat> One of our early gigs was as a... We were a, an art exhibit. They put us on a plinth, <laughs> didn't they? And we, in, we were just uh, in the middle of it. In Rich Mix. In, in Rich uh, Mix, yeah. In uh, East London. And people didn't know if it was a concert, but then they were coming up and like looking at us and yeah. <laughs> touching us and stuff. Yeah. But I think that's. Did all you have right. instruments? Yeah, we had just the keyboard. You weren't yeah. just stood on a. Oh, no, <laughs> okay. no, it wasn't. Which I've seen exhibitions like that too, of course, anyway. Humming. Yeah. No, I think that all inspired us from an early start to um, not just perform at music gigs. And yeah, we did that sort of installation stuff. And then got involved with the um, the team at Shunt Lounge, which used to be up in London Bridge, a, which was a theatre company, but also a venue. And two of them, in fact, Nigel Barrett and Louise Murray, we have collaborated with them on maybe three or four shows now that have toured the theatre shows. Amazing. But they do a particular type of theatre. You know, it's not... Anarchic. Yes, their theatre has an anarchic, but deeply emotional sense to it. Yeah. And they saw us and they were like, right, we need you to... So we'll do live scores for their theatre pieces, essentially. And that was our first gig, wasn't it? At the wow, Shunt Lounge. Yeah. We started the band on stage. Yeah, that was <laughs> really big gig. Shall we start a band? <laughs> yeah, that was Considering we were on the stage together. Well, I remember we were getting the big yellow bus, yeah. the big lemon bus. Are we going to do this then? Yeah. Are going to start a band tonight? I think I had my, my Casio tone keyboard and my yeah. distortion pedal with me, basically, and... Uh, I remember they said, what's the name of your thing, Graham, with Ed? And I was like, oh, don't know. I had an idea. Mm, AKDK, they're like, is that the name? And they said, yes. And they wrote it up on the blackboard. And <laughs> it came it? over and Ed was like, oh, who's AKDK? <laughs> and I was like, I just thought that was our name. He's like, yeah, okay. Go with it. <laughs> yeah, we're very, there's a lot of shrugging of shoulders and, and giving in to the process with us. Yeah. You know, it's like, it is shrugging shoulders, but it's, there's a... There's a concept behind that, you know. Yeah. Letting well, things pop up and evolve as they, sh as they want to, you know. Yeah. When, when you work with someone, it can be, especially creatively, and you've got, you know, two people might have really strong creative ideas and... And it can very easily become like mm. loggerheads, yeah. people like fighting to get their idea down. And it's quite liberating. Even, you know, we'll both come up with things that the other one is like, mm, I'm not really sure about that. But there is, I sort of started to realise if you just trust and then often it turns out better. You know, the, the other person's idea creates a new path. Sure, in, exactly. And that, I think that's the beauty of that collaborative process but yes. it is a bit it's difficult to give up control particularly if you're someone that's oh, always course, worked yes. on your own you know I've seen people who try and get bring in new collaborators yeah now. and it just doesn't work and it's yes quite mm. lucky that I think we trust each other even if what the other person is doing is like yes you know, I, I would have done that <laughs> yeah I definitely don't but, like that yeah and then they play and then you know after five minutes you're like yeah, no this is not and then, oh, there we go, pop, yeah. a so little note sense, comes up, yeah. Um, yes, and it is being a relation, it's like obviously being in a relationship, being yeah. in a band. And we've been together over 10 years now. Yeah. 
So that's both, amazing, isn't it? Really, it's yeah. It's very strange to think, but yeah. And we've done plenty of exciting and amazing things. I mean, I'm so grateful for this band. I'm grateful for all the bands I've been in, but this one particularly. It's like our thing. We don't have to compromise very much apart from with each other. You know, it's not like there's a band of five of us with a management team and la la la. No, everything's DIY. We do what we want, and it's taken us around. The Europe and the world, really. Yeah. Right, Again, right. I think I'm just in reflective mode because it's like I've missed that so much. Absolutely. You know, I miss yeah. it so much, but uh, I'm I'm so grateful for it, and it's uh, it seems just like an easy way to express ourselves. You know, there's no uh, there's very little musical differences. Certainly not in like Metallica way. Or anything, <laughs> or police. Or, I still haven't you know seen I mean? that film. But oh, yeah, it's someone was talking about that the other day. Yeah. What film is that? Oh, some kind Sunk. of monster. It's called, and it's a documentary on Metallica, on oh, making right. their uh, Saint Ag Saint Hate whatever. Saint Anger is it? Oh. Yeah, yeah, the one that was totally over compressed and yeah. limited. But uh, yeah, I don't really like Metallica, but it's worth a watch. You know, it's got a. Uh, Spinal Tap vibes, even though it's a real documentary. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. They're always yeah. I love, I love getting those. Oh, and they vibes. hate each other, and they've been <laughs> together for thirty years or whatever, and under those pressures, like you were saying, of going out every night, doing the same, performing, and you're totally your whole life is linked into these three other people. So mm. I mean, having two in a relationship is fine. We don't do like polyamory bands. <laughs> Not at this point. <laughs> But we do both work on other things ourselves, which I think we probably didn't do so much of when we first formed. No. We weren't, neither, we, we weren't doing so much work. I wasn't, you know, we both produce other people and sometimes and stuff and whatever, different projects. I think it was not that we chose not to, that we weren't doing so many opportunities when we first formed, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's good to, to scratch other itches, isn't yes, it? Yes, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You can't expect one band to fulfil all your musical needs, I don't think. I don't think so. <laughs> well, that's just me. Maybe yeah. that speaks about my... Yeah. Uh, but, you know, yeah. I, I, mean no, that, I mean that in a very normal, you know, yeah, no. simple way. Yeah, exactly. No, I understand, yeah. Trying to get... A, you can't expect a band to be able to play metal really well and country. Not that I want to do either of those right now. But, you know I mean? Pick who you need to collaborate with who's going to do that job well don't try and I think I'm talking about production in this sense now but don't try and ask somebody to do something that they're not very good at it's not going to come out very well I don't think yeah true you know? and and like you said about this everything um, you know things happened quite easily for you mm -hmm. as AKDK going into it like I'm very much like it, it chimes really with the path of least resistance. Like you've gone to do something that's mm -hmm. really easy for you and become incredible at it mm. because in those early days it just came really naturally. Mm. So yeah, I think that is one piece of advice I always say to people is like following the path of least resistance sometimes. Mm. Like don't try and do something too high tech or something that really makes you feel uncomfortable to get somewhere. Like sometimes just, yeah, thinking up your band name on the spot and, yeah. and, and thinking up your tunes on the spot mm -hmm. is, is also nice. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you, yeah, because you don't have, I guess when bands are being really tight and, and getting their songs ready, you know, like getting the, everything together, there's a whole lot of work that goes into that. Like, oh, you mm. need to play that two beats before and then he's yeah, going to do yeah, the thing. Gosh. 
So yeah, it's quite freeing, quite liberating to maybe not have the all that prep. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, and you don't get bored because it's easy to get bored of your own songs mm. if you're rehearsing them up and playing, as you say, playing them every night. And but uh, I really love. So you had a new album out last year. Yeah, yeah. Shared Particles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. Oh, okay. What an incredible, okay. incredible Thanks. sound. Yeah, what was the process of, of putting that together? Uh, that was recorded... Actually, we recorded it in a few different places. The majority of it was done in uh, Brighton Electric. Sure. Was it really? Um, we set... They've got, like, a live gig room. So we set up in there with... Uh, Bunch just of mics sing, yeah. record straight into the laptop and just jam for a week. Yeah, very kind of lo-fi DIY. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, some of it we did in Brazil. We were lucky enough to oh, be yeah. taken out to South America by the British Council. We were like wow. creative yeah. envoys or something. I don't <laughs> know what the word was. Renegade diplomats. That's terrorists. That's an EP title. Yes. If ever I have a badge for that one. Can I get an ID <laughs> <The> lanyard? <laughs> Renegade diplomat. <laughs> Yes, they, but they don't parachute you in. <laughs> yeah. With that new song, uh, England is great. I can't remember if you heard that new kids song that they want. Anyway, we'll go back to that. That's great. Where did you go? I lived in Brazil for a little while. I oh, really? English there. Oh, in the yeah. South, yeah. Where did you... Oh, we were right up in the north. Yeah, we started in Belém. Yeah. Oh, nice. Beautiful. Up in Para, which is right mm-hmm, up in the Amazon right. sort of area. Uh, we played three gigs, didn't we? Then we went down to... Or to Argentina. Argentina, yeah. yeah. Buenos oh, Aires fantastic. had a gig there. Mm. Um, and then back and back up to Para again. Yeah, and there was a studio. In the, we were collaborating with some musicians and they had a studio in town, in Belém. Excellent. Right in the middle of town yeah. as well, which was crazy. <laughs> the whole, I mean, the, the whole experience was mind-blowing and incredible. Yeah, but just, just when you walk out onto the street, the heat and the smell, you're so sensorily overloaded and it's fantastic mm. yep. but it also feels like a dream it felt to me a lot of mm. it you know and playing fantastic shows and meeting amazing people we really want to go back yeah <laughs> yeah and so maybe you know i'm sure we'll be able to look into that at some point yeah yeah hopefully but yeah so we were there in the studio for a week and we kind of just there was a bit of collaborating with these other artists but a lot of the time we were left mm-hmm left with the keys really so we did at least one whole track off the last album was done there Mm. and I think we might have done some overdubs sure often it we do the music live and sometimes have to edit it down a bit from 20 minutes to 5 and then but the vocal lines perhaps don't come naturally so then we have to take the music away and write a a top line to go on yes and again like you're saying committing in recording is really important but uh, when you're obviously recording the drums and all the microphones are live if you try a vocal line during your take you'll see it you're stuck with it so best to keep your mouth shut during the <laughs> recording even if you know what you want to sing yeah you know it's just that's too much commitment yeah you know because then we don't have any opportunity to to adapt later undo it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, whereas whereas all the keyboards and drums they're recorded as is and all the keyboards certainly are going through all the effects live you know yeah Um, we only 
in terms of processing afterwards, it'll only be some EQing or like a preamp sort of warmer. Reamping it or yeah. something, yeah. All the delays and stuff are generally on, unless there's particularly spacey bits where we'll then start using different stereo plugins and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And the, the synth lines are done at the same time as the drums as well. Yes. It's really... Yeah, that's like a rhythm section. We record the rhythm al- section live. They're all three albums really are, at their core, live albums. Mm-hmm. Not in front of audiences, but the drums and the synths and it, the meat of the track goes down all together in one go. And then it just needs, like, tightens, gets tightened up yeah. with editing after, just to get the song structure. Because often you're sort of meandering around, mm. trying to work out an idea, and just to make it a bit tighter. Yeah, across 20 minutes we might have played three sections of a song, not knowing that they were sections. Mm. And then you come back and you realise, oh, okay, if we just get rid of the noodling between those three, boom, we've got a song. Yeah. Which is what people have done forever yeah. with recorded music. It's like, you know, yeah. no point being purist and aloof about it. Yeah. I mean, like, forever people have done that. So. And Ableton's great because we can record on both screens. There's the session view, which has looping, and then the arrange page, which is just a linear. So we track all the drums on the linear view mm-hmm. and capture all of the individual loops as clips on the session view. Oh, wow, that's nice. But also the the arrangement view captures the way the loops go mm, down. The structure. So yeah, it captures the range. It's amazing. It's the mm. best piece of software ever. Yeah, it's pretty mad. Yeah. I, I think there's always a trick with Ableton that someone shows you that you're like, shit, I didn't know I could do that. that. I wouldn't that's changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm working all the time with Ableton now. So yeah. good. Yeah, so we just go direct into Ableton. We've both got like a push controller or whatever to mm-hmm. control start and stop loops and the clips. Amazing. Capture little riffs. So, because in a chaos pad, you can't get the uh, audio only, out um, once it's in. It's just summed a, out. Stereo mm-hmm. out, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You, there's no. It's all the loops at once. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, mm. the first I album think... was done like yeah. that. It was just directly recorded into Pro Tools and the loops were it's so raw and raucous there's only 10 tracks on that in the mix you know there's like three mics on each of our kits overhead mm-hmm. snare kick mm-hmm. really couple of room mics yeah, mono di right. from my synth mono di from your synth well and that one nice. is called you know drums and synths and noise and space yeah. and uh because like that's all it is and that's all the cover is is just all of our equipment put out so again you know that was partly because it felt right and we went with it and also, it's not about us. It's this just very plain and simple. Here's all the equipment. On this album is drums and synths and noise and space. And that's no, cool. Yeah. It's, again, just keep for me that's it's always been a part of us is keeping ourselves out of the way, our personalities, ourselves, in a way. Yeah. Actually, yeah, literally, because we were supposed to, <laughs> the, the photographer wanted us to be in it as well so a lot of most of the photos of that album cover um, and for That's people who haven't different. seen the album cover it's like a, a bird's eye view of a, on the floor and then all our stuff is just laid out neatly yeah there's like a Game Boy isn't yeah. there yeah, yeah absolutely Genesis X 1000 yeah, yeah that was all of our there's um, a, my 101 my sort of 5U modular yes yeah, yeah, so with this cycle like yeah the circular sequence sequence yeah yeah uh, and um, our pedals, 
Yeah, various pedals. Right. A little homemade pedal of yours, isn't it? Yeah, homemade fuzz fuzzy, pedal. Fuzzy Logic. Fuzzy Logic, yeah. Nice. Um, in terms of the vocals, like you, yeah, you're clearly on this on this uh, album. Sort of, they've become like I don't want to say more prominent, but they they sort of seem to fit so beautifully in this mm. this latest record. You you found a place to fit them in, where they're not like front leading it, but they're there's there's definitely yeah there's definitely a great sort of tangibility to the to the. That's vocals. good. Amazing. Thanks. Yeah, th- that's good. Yeah. I think we worked hard on that one on this album more than any of the others probably yeah and neither of us are real lyricists or songwriters i suppose you know not in a traditional sense no no, it's where we struggle so and the vocals always have felt to us a bit bolted on Mm -hmm. so i'm glad to hear that this new record i think we're very proud of it yeah and the vocal lines and hooks the parts with some of the sure. best we've done I think so far. yes and live there's lots of pure improvisation going on I don't often know what I'm going to do at all neither does Ed and especially in the the improvised sections of the set you just wait till something pops up in your head and uh, you don't have to have many lyrics if especially if it's really distorted and delayed and uh Yes. Again, it's the struggle of getting that approach over to a, a recording where somebody's going to sit down in their room on their own and listen to your song. It's a very different yeah. requirement. Suddenly doing this weird, uh, vowely distorted vocalizations doesn't really cut it. You know. Weirdly, though, that's a lot that, of our lyrics come out of that because we track the lyrics it come out. Yeah. With oh, yeah. yogurt vocals. Yeah, melody and rhythm but there's no words there's just sort of vocal sounds but then we go back and listen to it and try and write down and what maybe you think it sounds like yeah what it sounds yeah Yeah. and suddenly you reveal these weird lyrics Mm. parts that have come to you from the ether you know it's like wow I wonder who it's almost like you don't even feel like you've written that yeah yeah you've got this lyrics that that have just appeared from sound I don't know it's quite a we used it a lot on this last album. Yes. Some of our other, like, morphology and things. In fact, that's even on the record, my vocal part is still mostly through fuzz and distortion and a little CB mic. It's yeah, not no, really see, any words. <laughs> yeah, it, work, it works really well, though, you know. I think, because um, normally vocals are sort of, you know, centre channeled, straight sure, down the middle, boom. very prominent. Yeah. But yours are there to they they just sort of yeah, they bring an extra dimension to mm. it a little bit, you know, mm. without distracting from the you know, the drums and the sure. disgusting synths. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's it's hard to make three things big in a mix. Yeah. So one of the things that has to drop down and yeah, certainly our vocals aren't supposed to be up front and centre. Yeah. No, no, no. And yeah. we'll always tell front of house engineers that as well, like this isn't a pop show, not that it's bad. But for us, just mm. sit them in with the keyboards, mm-hmm. um, which can be really off-putting sometimes when you're playing a show and you think, how loud is the vocal out front? Because I hope it's not loud. <laughs> <laughs> this is not supposed to be heard, this yeah. bit. This is just another... Because often 
getting they kind of like, I keep turning it up to yeah. try and get the, vo- the uh, words, but uh, I can't hear the words. Don't. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, 6K clarity on, yeah. the, on no. the yogurt vocals. Because I'm about to do massive feedback on my mic. So, <laughs> so <laughs> we just tell them, don't, just, just don't touch the levels, keep it low. And, uh-huh. and they get it quite quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, also the artwork for that album was absolutely fantastic. The sort of marbling. Mm. Yeah, really beautiful. a friend of ours. Yeah, um, Paul... Uh, who is based in Bristol? He, um, we've collaborated with him a few times. We met him through friends, school yeah. friends of G's. Um, he lived in London and, and had this uh, kind of chemical visual setup, and mm. it was super lo fi. He had an overhead projector, petri dishes, and uh, would put different chemicals and dyes in and it would project it up oh, onto the stage. Wow. And yeah, just like do... the old school yeah, like Floyd yeah. UFO kind of happening. Yeah, things. so that album sleeve is one of his chemical experiments. It's, Amazing. It's about that big. It's a macro photograph- photograph. Yeah. So the the actual um, whole album sleeve is about two centimetres square. <laughs> it's uh, it's a high quality. Tiny vinyl release. Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> two seconds a of one audio. Inch. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, Nanopunk, I think he goes under with those. Yeah. And, On uh, Instagram, the beautiful yeah. stuff. Yeah, really incredible. And uh, and I don't know, well, we've, we, I don't know if we had the title, if we were thinking of calling it Shared Particles when we got the artwork. I think we had it the title before. Didn't I think we? so because it was a song lyric that seemed yeah. to pop out, and but so then... that seemed to reflect that this sort of mm. atomic soup. That's the way I see it. Mm. I see it as very like it's like a galaxy. It looks like a galaxy, you know, and mm. uh, also looks like miniature macro. Yeah, it's both primordial soup and and the galaxy mm. like constellations again like that coming together out of a soup, and that's the the sort of un- it's not a concept album but a lot of the themes and the lyrics are about coming together and and at the time it was the referendum and it felt like yes. everything was splitting apart so we were like yeah because we wrote all of this before any covid yeah and um yeah absolutely it was about that togetherness or the fact that there is a togetherness even if we can't see it and social media brings us together but pushes us apart and so that's that's basically what the whole album's about. So shared particles seemed right, and then that imagery suddenly seemed correct. Now shared particles in the time of COVID doesn't seem like such a good. It's really unfortunate. I mean, yeah. uh, looking back, I thought we maybe shouldn't have even released that as a single or something. But uh, yes, it, 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 now it seems like it's either a COVID album or we're anti-vax or I don't know. Oh, I don't think so. Do, no, 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 I know, I know, no. but it's just. <laughs> Could have been called anything else, but instead, shared particles is the name of our album in the middle of a pandemic. Does yeah. it? Yeah. I don't think anyone was bothered by it. No, I, I no. don't. It never came into my head Good. when I was Good. thinking about it. Um, but, but now you say it, oh no, <laughs> I'm thinking about Shit. it. Yeah, you are right about that. <laughs> um, but no, it's a great album, and I think there's a lot of joy and a lot of energy Good. in that album. You know, yes. there's a lot of fun in there. It was supposed to be positive, pulling everyone together. Like, forget your differences, let's rave. Let's yeah. have a party. That could have been called that. Yeah. yeah. Peace, yeah. love and rave. Unity, rave. Renegade Diplomat, that's the next album anyway. That should yeah. be, yeah, yeah. You need, like, a sort of outfit for yeah, that. Yeah, no, sash. Yeah. Sash, yeah. Be able to park anywhere. Yeah. Uh, 
Cool. And you've um, in terms of in terms of like playing live and touring and stuff like that. You've you played the Blue Dot Festival, I believe, two thousand and eighteen. Mm-hmm. Yes. You also opened for the Dandy Warhol. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. 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 What were some of the What were some of the standout moments of, of playing live and gigging? Uh, one show in, in the Green Door Store with um, Damo Suzuki from Cannes, and we met said before like seventies German. Space rock is a big influence on us, whether it's Noi or Kraftwerk or Can or um, other. The list goes on. Yeah, the list goes on. But um, yeah, he does a thing where he goes around and he's an improviser and he plays with a different band in each city and he tours the world and has these sound carriers in each city where people just come along and perform with him. And, um, wow. Yeah, so we were his sound carriers for two two gigs. Mm. One with Anne Shenton from Add N to X as well, which and she's another one of my heroes. So she yeah. was playing theremin, um, and we were G and I was on stage and a couple of other friends with us, and uh, just looking over, it's like that's Dami Suzuki from Cannes <laughs> playing the gig. Mm, that was an amazing gig. That yeah, that was one of standout. Especially things. the first one, just the music just came together. And he's just responding to your energy, Damo Suzuki. You know, afterwards I remember people coming up to him and saying, "Wow, that was that was so good. How long did it take you to get those songs together? They were really good." And we were like, "No, no, 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 no. We've never played that ever, ever before. <laughs> we might have had a jam the night before, but not played any of those things." Yeah. And, and he was very adamant just before the show. We did the sound check, and so so. How do you want to start? He was like. No, no, you just start. I'm not going to talk up. about the gig. Yeah. You just do it. It just yeah. happens. Yeah, he, it was brilliant, that. Yeah. Um, it's quite inspiring, isn't it, when people have no... They, 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 they like the sort of standing on the precipice of yeah. what might happen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I so, mean, I remember another amazing Brighton gig we did a long time ago in Tom's Bar, mm. which isn't there anymore. But that used to be sort of like a queer dungeon. Uh just it's south the ship street area yeah. near the city hall yeah was, I know. Yeah. yeah it used to be downstairs I mean I don't think it's the, I did, maybe still there but that was a renegade gig and that was maybe eight years ago and there's no PA really properly everything and people are literally crammed up <laughs> next to that next to your head stood around and you hit the symbol it hits somebody's hand and the keyboard <laughs> yeah. stand is like being knocked yeah. over by this crowd you were just surrounded and immersed in the crowd. People stood on the bass drums. Our friend Jay was singing yeah. with us that time, and he there was no room for him, so he had to stand on the bass yeah. drums. Wow! Oh, I'll never forget that crazy gig. gig. Just yeah. like the music was probably well, it certainly sounded terrible. There was no proper PA or anything. That was again just running through amps. Yeah, and that would I'll never forget that. That would must have been very early gig, and then. But then, you know, we're really lucky to have played, yeah, amazing support shows with the Dandy Warhols, including, like, um, The Forum in London. For me, that was a big one, because I loved The Forum. used to go to the Brixton Academy and Kentish Town Forum regular during the 90s. They were, Mm -hmm. like, my go-to rock gigs. So playing there was really... emotional. I bet it was, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's... uh, And, you know, that sort of... St- size of gig that's still beyond us now so it's yeah. it's such a pleasure to get to play these uh, established venues I mean playing in Brazil was pretty shocking that as well was, yeah, yeah that was amazing yeah 
to me it still feels like a dream yeah and playing in that festival and it's so hot and humid but uh, yeah every gig is different I remember in um, Deer Shed when we played Blue Dot actually you mentioned that earlier on the gig at Blue Dot was really really good and they put us on at midnight in one of the smaller tents so it just it's kicked like off dance, oh, nice. yeah, yeah it just kicked off it was a brilliant show incredible and um, so the next day we were driving to Deer Shed which is a festival near Leeds and a van broke down and so it just took us ages to get there and we arrived basically as our set was starting so the audience who were already there waiting to see us got to see this really funny installation of watching us set up <laughs> on stage a two second sound check duh, 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 that's working boom we started and when we started there was such a big chair do you oh, know what I mean and if we hadn't have had this weird installation piece yeah. of us setting up <laughs> There would have never been this moment. We have a, we had a forty minutes set time, and we'd arrived ten minutes into that, so yeah. we had to set up and play the show in thirty, 30 minutes. But uh, yeah, it was a bit like that original idea of the band starting, let yeah. alone starting a band actually, on stage. You're actually setting up and starting yeah. <laughs> on stage checking as and, part of the performance. Yeah, it yeah. was. A li- it reminds me a little bit of what you said earlier about. Um, the intro to a song going on too long mm-hmm. and the audience waiting. I think there can be, a, like, there's so much anticipation that builds mm-hmm. up that when that stuff does drop in and it does start, people just lose their fucking minds. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And oh, we'd sh- had the stress thinking we're gonna, we're not going to make this. We've had to borrow a van from the festival yeah. to get in. Screwed it up. Yeah, I know. Well, we're very conscientious on that as well, aren't we? Yeah. We're, I mean, try and be pro. Be on time Turn and be on pro. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Not, no it might be what, kind of punky music, but yeah, you know. been in some sorry states. We've been on, <laughs> we've been on time, but we've been in some yeah. sorry states. And my body's here. <laughs> my brain is still yeah. at the pub last night. So yeah. it's usually when we've got three festivals in a weekend, like a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday. And by the Sunday, yeah, oh, your brain like, is dead. You're relying on autopilot as yeah. well for the music. Yeah, mm. you know, let just let your hands do it. Yeah. And it works fine and it's good, you know, but you can't talk to anyone. (laughs) But put me at my keyboards and my drums and suddenly your body's like, just takes over, you know. It reminds me so much, there's a guy uh, called Harry Mack who does freestyle. Right. And he's he's just done done a 10-hour freestyle. And that's not the Guinness World Record. I think the Guinness World Record is like 33 hours or something like that. But he did a 10-hour freestyle. And it's interesting to like flick through the video. Because I watched the first like hour, I listened to the first Mm. hour. It's an amazing thing, really. Like I couldn't freestyle for 10 seconds. No, no. Uh, And he does for an hour. And he's sort of, uh, when you, sorry, he does it for 10 hours. And uh, if you listen to like the last half hour of that 10 hours, it's exactly like you're saying, like his brain is like, it is switching off, but there's yeah. an autopilot yeah. there that is just it's able... subconscious is spitting out words. Yeah, find yeah. rhymes, find yeah. context, find a narrative. There's, but, but you can tell from the first like two or three hours to that 10th hour... There's, there is a slowdown in like brain processing. There's like well, going to a ram. deeper cycle. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> CPU is getting burnt out. Yeah, yeah right. Gosh, it's I... like a bit like uh, Jack Kerouac used to write like that. You know, on, on the road and many others. The beat author. Yeah, yeah. He, he had a whole. It's just two, one manuscript. One reel that you would just roll through. Yeah. You know, no pages. Just keep on typing. He wrote on the road in one sitting, didn't he? It was like over a period of two days, he stayed up 
drunk as hell. Yeah, and yeah, and glued all the pages together so he could just type without having to change the page. Yeah. So the original manuscript is one long mm. thing. That's it gives it the momentum. It's obviously it's a road movie, but it has a momentum to the text, doesn't it? That just yeah, changed. and these dreamy passages where, like you know, where your brain's gone into a different zone, and you've not restricted it. You're just saying, okay, carry on. Whereas normally, if you're doing an album, you know, it's like, well, I'm working on the rock song, so I need to do some rock stuff, you know, so I can see that, yeah, well, that's why I improvise, always improvise, you <laughs> yeah. know, I can't, don't know what I'd just be doing if it wasn't for improvisation in music. Yeah. I think Aphex Twin had a period of his life where, or supposedly had a period of his life where he was like uh, doing sleep deprivation and making music. Right. So like staying up, yeah, Mm. deliberately getting into that altered state of like weirdness, that sort of like losing Mm. your mind. Mm. But but then, um, yeah, um, quite an interesting thing to be able to do when we just like think, fuck it, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna force this music. To happen, uh, yeah, even if it's not painful. Questions, yeah. yeah, nothing too heavy. No, it's been really great to chat to you. Thanks so no, much. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, thanks for coming around and chatting. Uh, I could probably we could probably talk about the Gen SX one thousand for most of the yeah. day. I, I've tried to curb that because that's like one of my favourites. So good. Um, yeah, no, I got that for twenty quid. Did you? Yeah. Oh shit. Not for my mate Steve. <laughs> yeah. So. It's one of those hidden... I think it's like a hidden gem that people mm-hmm. don't really know about. Mm-hmm. It's got pulse width modulation. Have you yeah. seen the mods that people can, you can do to I it? I've seen it and I'm still always tempted. Yeah. I've, done a, I've done them on a few... Actually, if you look on YouTube, the mods video is mine, I think. Mm-hmm. Might be. Oh, um, right, okay. So, yeah, it's a sub-oscillator mod, mm-hmm. which can go seven octaves down if you want it to. <laughs> or, like, it goes up this wild scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, white noise, pink noise. So, basically, the... The pink noise and white noise knob becomes a sub-oscillator, pink noise and white noise, mm-hmm. and I think it can have an octave above as well. Sure. So yeah, dual oscillator, filter input, which is, it's yeah. okay, the filter's not like the best thing about no. the gen. But yeah, really simple little board, little oh, tiny yeah. little breadboard, you'll be able to make it, yeah. no problem. Yeah. And, We've talked um, about it. Yeah, I, I can, there's a guy called Neil Johnson who did all the designs for it, he's a really lovely guy. Um, yeah, he's going to be updating it. But anyway, the last two questions were not about the Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say that. Started by saying, let's not talk about the Genesis. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> that's a bad way to not talk about something. Um, yeah, so are there any people that you've sort of met along the way or that you'd sort of class as being like mentors that have like helped you out? And um, There is, well, our friend Fred, Belgian Fred, mm-hmm. I suppose could be considered the father of us because he introduced us nice. and he encouraged us his and we were part of this organizing of this exhibition at the shunt at the same time but it, um he encouraged us to do something and mm. gave us the slot on saturday night so it was kind of his fault yeah totally <laughs> i suppose would be the mm-hmm. first person that comes to my mind yeah um well you know, I think uh, uh, he's not a mentor, but anyway, Shane, our booking agent, has been with us for a long time, and he's on board. 
you know, it's good to have people on board with you. And um, he's sensible. He, he knows yeah. everything about business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shane, what do we do? What? Uh, yeah, so he's really useful. And, and other people in our team like that. Um, uh, in terms of, like, mental... Well, also... Yeah, in Brighton, there's loads of musicians, isn't it? So yeah, you spend your time talking to lots of people, I find. You know, and I'm always fascinated in process. So, you know, how people do things or why they come to those decisions. And I've had many late-night drunken chats with many different musicians mm-hmm. about that. And chefs. <laughs> I find chefs are particularly... Yeah. There's a lot of crossover between music and chefs. Like, really? That's yeah, it's this immediate thing that you have to do that night sort of performing you've got to go through loads of technique to be able to even then decide what you want to do with it and then you make this thing and you deliver it to the audience and when you finish you're buzzing and uh, you're in a bar at two yep. in the morning so <laughs> yeah it's the same there's a lot of parallel it is but uh, mentors I don't know Paul at True Thoughts as I well. was thinking that yeah he's yeah. always just been like a Paul uh, Jonas at True Thoughts just been always been a friend to the band you know really often just like a, a a sounding board as much as anything for ideas or... And he'll come in with good questions for us. What, what are you doing about this then? Oh, oh, oh. oh I don't know. I haven't thought about <laughs> Yeah, so... Yeah, I think it's good to have those those external people that are close that are able to give you a bit of perspective mm-hmm. yeah. on, on things. and yeah. yeah, or a new perspective, different perspective, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the key. Yeah. Excellent. And um, yeah, do 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 you guys have any like this is this question tends to work with some people and not work with <laughs> others. So like, just take it as it comes. Do you have like any mantra that you sort of go by either personally or as a band? Mm-hmm. Um, I keep... guess drums and synths and noise and space could be one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are you gonna say? Well, keeping it simple. That's always mm-hmm. often a mantra when we start layering yes. in, in the studio adding stuff it's too easy so the studio wants you to keep adding a new track and <laughs> I add a new to. I always part. want to add more parts yeah. add, add more add more it'll be like no we've got 20 that's <laughs> <laughs> so we often have that keep as our simple. mantra yeah. like okay well there's a great um, uh, quote from I forget who it is so it's not very good perfect at me. some yeah but uh, uh it's something like um, great art is finished not when there's nothing more that can mm-hmm. be added, but when there's nothing more that can be taken away. Uh-huh. Wow, that's good. And that's a yes. quote that I've always had in my mind. It's like, reduce it. Keep reducing, keep reducing until essence. you've got the core idea. So rather than add, remove. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. That's so, a great... Yeah, I, that's I need to find out. It's, it's actually in... That um, Ableton creative strategy. Oh, 74 creative strategy. Yeah. What you've done there is you've subtracted the memory of the person who said it, which is yeah, sort of part got, of you've the got mantra. The art down <laughs> to, yes. Yeah. I don't. I mean, for me, I mean, I remember when I had an old Nokia three ten or whatever they were. You could have a wake up uh, message on your screen. <laughs> And I, I used to turn my phone off during the night and turn it on in the morning. You know, heady millennial days. And mine, it always said, don't be a cunt. <laughs> and I always thought, if you can get through your whole life and at the end of it say, well, I wasn't, then you've 
done all right. I think yeah. that's like step one of life. Exactly, <laughs> step one, yeah. yeah. Everything else is a bonus. <laughs> as long as you can get to the end of your life and say, yes, I've, I made it. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, cool. Well, thank you very much for speaking to me in my in my flat. Thanks for coming here. Thank you. It's great to meet you. Yeah. Finally, because we've been chatting on email for quite a while. Now. Yeah, a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see you guys play play live. It's so, going to be disgusting. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have a show in um, Chalk in October. Yeah. On sale now if anyone wants is, a yes, dirty yeah, weekend in Brighton. <laughs> I'll certainly be that, yeah. Call me. Yeah, forward to it. <laughs> Great, cool. I'll pull that around. Excellent, thank you. Yes. good to speak to the guys uh, not only was not only was that done in person uh, that was also done in my living room so um, yeah it felt very 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 strange to be doing something like that but uh, what a fantastic duo, duo. Um, do go and check out their music as well one of their tracks is playing in the background now I'm sure you've really enjoyed listening to that and um, yeah check out Shared Particles their latest album I absolutely love it absolutely love the entire back catalogue as it goes okay on the show next time we have a someone who works in the broadcast industry which is something i've been kind of struggling to get as a guest but we have somebody who works on radio one are uh, in a couple of weeks so tune in for that one uh, please support the podcast if you can just liking and sharing it is really good if you want to donate you will get a shout out on a future episode yeah thank you very much for listening i appreciate all of the comments good or bad thanks very much for listening i'll see you again soon